welcome back to another episode of Friends of the Vine Wine Podcast. So, episode 49, almost at episode 50. Thank you to all the loyal listeners who have followed me since day one. I do appreciate it. This episode features Diogo Raish. He is from Sanguinel Winery in Portugal. Sanguinel is the family winery that's been in his family for four generations, started with his great-grandfather. And he is the general manager of the winery. We actually met last year at the Top Drop Wine Festival here in Vancouver. I was actually scheduled to go see him among other wineries uh, in Portugal this summer. Unfortunately, there's no travel right now, as everyone knows. But uh, hopefully I'll look forward to seeing him next year in Portugal. And he was actually meant to come out to Top Drop for this this year. He was literally, we mentioned it in the podcast, he was literally supposed to be basically here now in Vancouver. So one thing I want to mention is he mentions um, the names Jessica and Marissa. They are the wine distributors, the wine agency that uh, imports his wine and distributes his wine. They are the talented ladies from Amovino. They are based in Vancouver, and they are his representative out here in Vancouver. So he mentions them a few times, and they were actually the people that got us uh, introduced. So many thanks to them. So we actually chatted over Zoom conference uh, from his house in uh, in Portugal. He's just outside Lisbon, and they are one of the oldest wineries in the in the Appalachian that they belong to. And lastly, one of the things I want to mention is we're actually going to do a bit of a giveaway. Uh, I have some Hatch Wines face masks. As you guys all know, I love the Hatch and uh, the good people at the Hatch and they're great wine. There are five masks that I want to give away and uh, I've got uh, three additional ones for some loyal listeners that I also wanted to uh, to give out as a thank you. And for the rest of you, if you want to email me, friendsofthevinepodcast at gmail.com and just put in the subject line the hatch and i will give away five of their face masks i'm going to give away right off the bat marty thomas he basically has been listening since day one and he always plugs my show always plugs it on on social media and shares all my content so i do appreciate his loyal support and uh, another person who has been plugging my my show more recently but uh, equally as equally as passionately is Clint from the Sip Happens Wine Blog? Clint is down in uh, in South Africa, and he's been um, he's been promoting the podcast as well. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. And finally, another longtime listener and someone who has plugged my show many times as well. He's also listened pretty much right from the start as well. And that's Gareth uh, from GTS Lifestyle on Instagram, and he is in Madrid. And he's another guy that uh, has always been a great fan of the show, always sharing my my content and and, uh, plugging my show for me. So much appreciated. For the rest of you guys, if you want to send me an email, we'll enter you into the giveaway draw. Let's get right into this episode with Diogo. We start with reminiscing about the top drop from last year and how he was supposed to be out around this time this year. So let's get right into it. (laughs) 
this time last year you were out this way. Yeah, top drop. Yeah. Top drop. Yeah, yeah you would have. You said uh, in the email you would have been coming just now, right? Uh, flying back today. <laughs> she spent there like uh, fifteen days, uh, like a, a nice tour with with uh, with Jessica and Marisa. Yeah, yeah. Everything planned, everything already set up. Yeah. It's, and and we were we were planning on going to Portugal in um, in July for uh, a little road trip around Portugal. We would we would have seen you then. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but uh, not this year. Next year. Next year for sure. <laughs> next year for sure. Or the the year after. <laughs> Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah. How was things in your uh, in your area? Yeah, we are here not suffering many cases. Um, Lisbon is now becoming a little bit more problematic, current, like because uh, there was the the um, the virus come from came from north, entered through Porto. We had some cases in in Lisbon, but the main the majority was in the north, and uh, it's going. It has been heading south, and uh, at the moment is more in the suburbs of Lisbon where many people have to use the public transportation and uh, it's more for social workers, like people with uh, less income that are suffering now a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, from the pandemic. Let's see if we don't have to be confined again because tomorrow we'll be reopening the, the kindergartens and the, for, for the, the children. So, uh, Back, getting back uh, to normality or a little bit uh, more normal uh, with restaurants also reopening with, uh, of course, with a lot of restrictions, but they, they have reopened on the 18th of May, uh, May 18th. Yeah, and now they are going to open more and more uh, and also the hotels and, and the bigger space like uh, commercial, like uh, malls, uh, are going to reopen now on the yeah, first tomorrow, tomorrow. It's a very similar timeline in Vancouver. Um, we're starting, yeah, our schools are starting back up on Monday and a lot of the restaurants have just last week started back up allowing, you know, in, you know, in, in person seating and uh, as opposed to just takeaway. So it's a very similar timeline. Mm. You, you, you are, you, I, I have spoken with uh, Marisa and Jessica uh, and uh, you had like the, you are also on the west part uh, of the entrance, like uh, here in Portugal, like, like the western country of Europe. So we had, uh, we had also um, the same, we had adopted the same measures that other countries in Central Europe were adopting at the same time. That helped us to control the pandemic much easier or much easier with, with less less problems and now we are recovering at the same timeline as as these countries we are we are doing not bad <laughs> but uh, of course economically i think everyone is doing bad yeah and i think our our yeah our numbers have been pretty good as far as for for bc we're one of the better provinces um, compared to some of the other ones. So, but we, I think we adopted 
a lot of the a lot of the safety measures right away and that's helped and now yeah like you said now we're starting to increase exposure a little bit more by being you know being closer and and opening things up so we'll see how that goes but um i i was going to ask you are are you obviously keeping contact with uh jess and and marissa pretty good yeah we we have been uh, talking quite often there was uh, shipping arriving this this month uh, in may and um, and we have been seeing like because one of our wine is doing is doing pretty good uh, because people uh, getting home and and uh, and not wanting to risk much in, in purchasing a wine they go for what they know and and uh, we are thankful that the city the sea wine is uh, quite known and, and the price point is, is pretty good in your market so we they are doing they are doing well with this with this wine of course uh lacking the, the gastronomy but but we have been in touch um they are working also uh what they can <laughs> i think everyone is working well i mean <laughs> as much as as you as we are less <laughs> I, I mean let's be honest too it's it's great wine so that helps <laughs> as I as I remember from Top Drop, and I still have two bottles in my in my cellar left. I may have to open one tonight. Um, <laughs> but it's it's your wines are are great as well, and and it, yeah, it does help people. Are somebody said there's about a thirty there was a thirty percent increase in alcohol consumption. Uh, so the numbers definitely have been have been helping as well. So, but it, it helps to have good wine, and I've I've been opening some of my nicer bottles um, <laughs> so we kind of we've been joking i've had a couple people on i've said you know what are you opening like what are you saying just you know what screw it i'm gonna open this bottle i don't care you know like something you've been waiting on and now people are opening it doesn't matter bottles. to wait <laughs> sorry it doesn't matter to wait no yeah <laughs> yeah why why sit on it let's you know what let's just open it yeah <laughs> Is there anything uh, is there anything you've had recently that you've you've opened up? Uh, I it's like we we never get out of out of wine at home, uh, fortunately. Uh, but um, I have been uh, trying like with my wife. We have been drinking a couple of bottles of uh, our wedding wine, two thousand nine, two thousand nine, Quinto de Sanguinha. Uh, so it's a wine with 11 years. It's, it's a nice, nice vintage to to drink. Um, of course, we have been experimenting with uh, other wines. The the increase, what you were saying, like there is an increase of of consumption of alcohol, definitely. What I uh, assume is that people are going into their cellar. Who has small cellar? So they are finishing their stocks of this. Uh, old timers and, and nice nice wines that they were expecting to have an occasion to to drink that's that's really nice but what what is happening is uh, uh, the con- consumption either uh, maintains in such a mature market or uh, it can increase because of depression or, or like people get into drugs because alcohol is still considered a drug a light drug but it is but what happens is that the prices drop Automatically, so in a such mature market to maintain such increases or, or, or level of consumption, 
in a crisis, what happens is that the prices go down. What we have faced is exactly that. So we have been drinking our everyday wine and not going for a, for a more expensive wine. And this is what we have been consuming at home. There's actually a question I, I just thought of was, is your wines, are, are you someone who only drinks your own wine or do you, do you branch out and try, you know, your neighbor's wine and, and, you know, your competitor's wine and, or do you stick with your own, with your own wines mostly? At home, at home, I do experiment other wines uh, when I'm alone most of the time, sometimes with my wife. Uh, but I do like to to try other wines as well. Of course, if I go out and, and have, a, have a dinner with someone, and there is not my wine there. I'm going to try other wines. And I'm, I'm always looking for for what are the others doing and, and seeing what are the market tendencies of where, where it goes. And, uh, and and what I do usually is when I like it's a fair like or an event like Top Drop or something like that. I always go around and I always try in the in particular regions that I like or uh, particular uh, profiles of wines that I that I that I, that, that is my personal direction. Uh, this is what I what I like to do. And of course, uh, when we go around and travel, we always do our travels where, like, as you wanted to come to Portugal. When I go with my wife, I always go to wine, wine countries and try their wines. Well, and especially in the in the new world, like you know, in BC wines, and you know, somebody's doing something different, or you know, like Dolcetto. Dolcetto was a grape. The last couple of years, a lot of people seem to uh, experiment and try their version of of you know the Okanagan version. So it's interesting to go and try and see who's doing what and what they're doing or, or, you know, any other, any other grape to see what they're doing, right. Tempranillo or whatever. Right. And to see, Oh, they're, they're doing this, they're doing that. Um, even Chiriga, right. They're, they're and how they work, how, how they work the grape. Yeah. Yeah. yeah even, even Chiriga or, or any grape, how they're doing, what their version is and what their, their unique take on it is. Right. So. I, I remember, for instance, my my honeymoon. We were in uh, in, um, in Argentina, and we traveled to Mendoza as well. And uh, a, wine, a winery that we visited, they were doing a, a port wine uh, style. Ruby uh, was quite young from Baalbek. It was really interesting, and uh, it was really really interesting. And then we visited another producer that was blending. Malbec with Torriga Nacional, and it was also quite quite to to try the, the, this plant and how, the, how Torriga is adapting in, in in this kind of kind or outside of its nature. Yeah, it's interesting. That would be an interesting combination with with Malbec and and Torriga. Yeah, it's 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 definitely. Yeah, I tried it for. I think it was from Alta Vista, the the winery. Um, they are big, quite big producer in. in Mendoza, uh, but uh, it was their um, their gastronomy and like more more niche, more garage wines. They were producing at the wine, so it was quite quite interesting. Not uh, not not in every vintage, so they were doing like really good vintages. This plant, so it was 
it was a nice experience. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Uh, how did how did your family get into get into the business in the first place? How did has been a few generations now? Yeah, we we are now in the fourth generation. Uh, I'm I'm the fourth generation. It started with uh, my great grandfather. He was a, a big businessman in Portugal, doing a lot of uh, business with the distribution of goods, um, and especially, of course, back then, like hundred years ago, in the wine. The, the wine was always a big business in Portugal. And, um, and he started the distribution chain in, uh, in Portugal. He had uh, up to 100 stores in Lisbon. <laughs> and, uh, so he was big and, and he was considered back then the biggest wine merchant in, in, in Portugal. And after that, he, he got in love or the, or the, the, the region that supplied him the most wine. And this was where we are today. So he bought three uh, properties in the Lisbon wine region near Obidus, our denomination. Uh, and, uh, and since uh, the early 20s, that these three properties belong exclusively to the family. And so that's how we got into the business and, uh, and uh, had the opportunity, have the opportunity nowadays to continue his legacy. For you, I guess, it's always been in the family and for you drinking wine and growing up with wine has always been a part of your life. Definitely. Definitely. We, when uh, we get into like some alcohol, you start usually with beer or uh, with some, some uh, vodka and, uh, and, and some, some Sprite or something like that. But, but uh, you, uh, wine is always the last thing you try. But in family, wine families, uh, you get into to wine since you are quite young. And I, and I now experience that with my uh, son. <laughs> He's only three. And, uh, and what, uh, what we do and it's like to, to, to turn around the glass and to, to smell, to see the color, uh, to go into, into the winery, to smell uh, during the harvest, this, this kind of... of uh, Flavors always stay in your in your uh, uh, back in your in your in your mind, and uh, if you grow continuously with these uh, kind of of things, it's easier when you are here in Portugal. At my age, it was like around sixteen. But we, are, I remember the first wine that I've tried was the Sotal. That was around seven, or like because it it's the Sotal is so light, the Muscatel. And uh, I remember quite well to, to have a zip, a zip, uh, and, the, and the sugar level. It's quite easy to to get into the wine. And uh, when when you get older, uh, when you're a teenager and you want to, uh, what do you? I'm not drinking a, a pint or a beer. I always drank a, a, a wine, <laughs> and everyone was, <laughs> what what the hell are you doing? And nowadays, my friends are all drinking wine. And asking me for what do you suggest, what do you recommend, and, and back then they were like, oh, "What the hell are you drinking? Wine for what?" Now everyone, oh no, I want the wine, I want no more. And want... <laughs> well, that's even true in in non non wine families, let's say, because it's as uh, yeah, as a teenager, beer is very approachable and and very easy, or something like rum and coke, or or you know the kind of very easy kind of drinks. 
uh, vodka and orange juice or whatever. And then you, yeah. And then you maybe, maybe you lean into scotches or, but then wine, you start to, you start to think, you know, maybe you have wine with dinner and then you think, Oh, this is actually really good. And then you have it on its own. And then your palate, your palate expands from there. You, you, you develop, uh, throughout the years, you develop a lot, the, um, your, your palate, uh, and, um, and when we are younger, we always think, Oh, wine is for, for older people. Wine is for, for our parents or they drink wine with their friends. I don't want to be like them. <laughs> so, uh, it's a social, uh, it's not so, so, uh, good. In, in this in this age to be like drinking wine, but uh, um, we are working now with um, a company that is, is working with them for our social media, and uh, and the, the guy that is making the, the pictures and the videos and he's like 20, 22 and he has a drone and and, uh, and we had lunch uh, last week and uh, and I, I didn't know his age back then and then we started and we had the, the lunchtime and I ordered wine of course uh, because we are you were in my region and at home <laughs> you, drink, you drink wine and uh, it was interesting to see how they uh, how he was already interested in, in wine and that also in his generation um, many uh, friends are already drinking wine and I thought that oh that's quite that's that's really interesting to see that in my time when I was like 20 or 18, 20, 21, no one wanted to drink drink wine or think about wine. And, uh, and this is changing, I think, because the wines are more approachable. There is a, an offer of wines much, much uh, more elegant, more, more smooth, more fruity um, from different uh, producers, from different regions that you can... Uh, easily get into the wine into the wine in, in many couple of years ago it was harder the wines were harder the wines needed more time in the bottle they weren't so approachable so things are are, are changing a little bit in that, in that way well and especially the style for sure that you know they're they're available quicker um even natural wines and and just everything everything is like you said, it doesn't have to sit so long and it's not so, not so big and oaky and, and it's a lot more approachable for sure. And, and, uh, I think, uh, it's definitely something that, um, as for the younger generation, you can see it in all the, in all the festivals and all the different, you know, uh, wine events that the gen it's starting to, the demographic is starting to come down. You have the, the rosés, the sparkling wines, the, you have the, the light, the the fine herbs, like in Germany, the the the, the Spätlese, the, they are always wines that are more easy to to drink because of the residual sugar makes the wine more appealing, and the refreshed or, or the whites and the, the roses are always easier than the reds, and there are always the the new reds, the young ones, the young style. Uh, coming like the 19, 2019 now into the market with a lot of fruitiness and for it and, uh, and the nuts and, and the tannins can make some, some micro oxygenation. So you can soften also the acidity of the wine. So everything is, is becoming 
uh, more accessible. Of course, the producers need to keep their their standards and uh, their uh, how you call it, flagship wines and and the, the wines that that are showing the the name of the house and the and this is important uh, to keep. Never, I think we have a responsibility for all the work that has been doing has been done in the past, and uh, not forget that. But of course, you need to get new consumers always. You have always to to get new consumers because um, those new consumers, new consumers can be your uh, flagship drinkers in the, the, the future. So. Uh, you have to be aware of that uh, all the time. Well, and I think, I think as, as kind of, um, I'm just thinking about, uh, about Chiriga, right. As, as the kind of signature grape, um, it's an approachable grape as well. So it helps that you have a grape that can be, can be both, it can mature, but also be, be a, a younger grape as well. It can be an easy drinking grape as well. So it's not, um, it's not something that, you know, it's something that's, it is approachable for as Portugal's, one of Portugal's signature grapes, right? Yeah, we, we for instance, the, the Toriga comes from, from Down, it's, its origin is from Down region. Douro has a lot of Toriga as well for the port wine and for their, their reds as well. And we have also some Toriga and uh, what we have been doing is like, we are near the ocean, so we have a really floral really fruity the dark fruits uh toriga um we are selling currently the the 2017 uh just been launching to the market beginning of this year and of course it's a wine that needs a little bit time in the bottle but but uh, is already nice and, and and very very drinkable after some aging it, it needs some some aging in oak but we always use second for used oak and um, and it's quite the fruity side, the chocolate, the the, the floral, the violet notes that that you that you that you have in the in, the, in your glass. Deep deep color, of course, it's a deep blue color, but uh, but it's very pleasant to to have this this kind of torigas uh, in the younger side, definitely. Let me just check my notes, okay? While I think of it. Yeah, no worries. No worries. I'm I'm drinking. Uh, well, here is uh, eight, half past eight, so I'm drinking here a, a new wine that uh, we have been we are going to launch this year. So you have you don't have the opportunity to try. If I was in Top Drop or if I was visiting, I would have brought a, a, a bottle of this wine with me. This is a Quinta de Chirigeiras Rosé. Uh, it's a, a masterpiece in our rosés that we have been doing and uh, trying to bring it in, into the market because this uh, brand is our um, oldest label. So we have this label in the market for over 19 years and we have never done a rosé before mm. in this brand. So we are here, here new, only Portuguese grape varieties and the and the the wine is so floral and so fresh it's it's, it's what, what's the grape variety we have here castellão um, and we have put a little bit of muscat uh, uh, like 10% uh, 10 to 5% to give the floral notes mm. it's 
so incredible. Uh, it's uh, it's these hints uh, are mixing perfectly, and uh, and we have a nice uh, Provence color as well. Lovely. Uh, um, and it's uh, it's just new. We have we haven't launched into the market yet. It's going to come into the market next week here in Portugal. Uh, we have been trying with our commercial team last week, and I got the, the last zip. Empty. <laughs> 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 uh, it's really nice. And only limited. We only did two thousand liters, so it's a quite a small production. And, uh, it's going to be, I think, a, a big success. Is any going to make it over to uh, the BC market? Let's see. Uh, the the white does really well there, and the red as well. The Quinta de Chirigeiras white, and uh, and it's uh, and I have to talk with um, with Jess and, and Marisa if they want to to allocate something. I can't say, of course, uh, but it's always like small quantities, like. like 50 cases or something like that that they can they can, they can save, but uh, I would be very happy to have it there when I when I'm visiting uh, the market or for you to try. <laughs> to well, try. I'll I'll tell her to put a, put aside a couple a couple bottles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember I don't remember if you brought that. Uh, you were saying maybe last year at Top Drop you maybe I don't remember other than the reds. I don't remember any rosés. Um, no, we, we, we only have one rosé in the market. It's, the, it's our entrance level. It's, right. it's, doing, it's doing good. It's doing good. It's a blend of, uh, of the Portuguese grape varieties as well. Castelão, Toriga Nacional, and Aragonês. Castelão is, uh, is the grape that we work the most here in our region, in the reds. And, um, and it's a more lively color. It's uh, much, much more intense than rosé color, more strawberry, more, more um, the, 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 how do you call it, the raspberries, mm. uh, fruits, so, so the wild fruits, it's, it's quite interesting. And, um, and what, what is the only rosé we have there at the moment? What we work is, is the, the whites. And, oh, and we have also a, a frizzante rosé there. Okay. So, the Sotal, Sotal fruit. And it's doing also quite good it's it's um, it's also not it's a light frisant so it's, it has it has not too much gas and uh, and uh, and you have um, some rs but is the acidity is so well integrated that it's it's, it's really gastronomic and it suits well with some asiatic food you have there and, and some spicy food uh, sweet sour sauces it's, it's really mm. nice. and it's it mean as summer i mean we've been getting a few a few times here and there with the when the heat has been you know, increasing a bit but rosé is just a good um when summertime hits right and like you said the provence style um always always goes well in the summertime yeah. <laughs> it's uh, the provence is I, we we avoided in our rosés to use this Provence style because Provence is Provence. We, I have been last year in Provence with, uh, in, a, in a trip, a small trip, uh, long weekend, and it was incredible to try their, their rosés and there as well. So I had an opportunity to try some, and uh, and it's um, 
and they are really really good. Like the, but they are from Provence. That's all about. And, the, and I think nowadays everyone is trying to. It, it's also good because it gives a, a name to the rosé, of course. So rosé is a category that is always the minor category uh, when you compare reds, whites, rosés. It's always uh, the less uh, uh, drinking category. But currently, it's, it's found a space also that is not so seasonal, the rosés, uh, because of its complexity, its structure, you can also have a rosé. And the gastronomic part that, that you have uh, associated to the rosés, the different style of rosés. And uh, for me, rosé is also uh, a quite interesting wine that we are drinking more and more often, especially when we have a share, shared food. Now, with COVID, it's more difficult, but uh, with like, some tapas and some, some shared food, like you have octopus, I have some, 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 uh, some fried chicken or something. Everyone can have a nice meal with, with the rosé. This is, this, is, uh, this is the nice, nice thing about the rosé. It's, it's funny you say that uh, because my father-in-law, um, when we barbecue, um, he will he will always have a little rosé while we're barbecuing and we're kind of getting the wetting the appetite and and whatever we're barbecuing be it you know chicken or you know Fish. salmon or <laughs> salmon or lamb or we'll have a little rosé even while we're just barbecuing and then we might move into more you know more darker reds and but we'll just have it just to get the just to wet the appetite shall we say so the rosé is a, it's a nice is a nice wine to to have Share a shared a shared meal and a friend. I like it a lot. The, here in Portugal, we have been uh, promoting a lot the consumption of rosé with sardines, real sardines. Yeah. Now it's coming the time for the sardines. Uh, this year we won't have the the festivals, the the whole the holy saints. Lisbon from Porto, it's big big uh, parties. Uh, this year we won't have it. But the sardines will be consumed as well. So, and then the rosé is a nice because uh, of the the fattiness of the of the of the of the, the sardines and the grilled part because it's really roasty. Uh, it's, it's really interesting to have a nice rosé uh, with sardine. Interesting. I was just curious about just talk about the kind of the region, like whereabouts in Portugal. You're based and and kind of what you know what wine region you're based in. We we are in the Lisbon region, so Lisbon uh, is one of the more or biggest wine regions in Portugal. Uh, as a it's known for for a lot of uh, its exportations, most of the wine that is being produced in the Lisbon wine area is is exported. But and it's also the region with the more DOCs, with the more appellations in uh, in Portugal. So, in in this region, Portugal has a lot of microclimates and a lot of diversity. And the Lisbon region is the one that has also the most uh, appellations. So it's, it's quite curious. It has nine, and uh, and we are in Obidus. Obidus is one of the smallest uh, DOs. Uh, has uh, only 400 hectares feed um, uh, certified DOC orange. We are the, the, the biggest uh, producers in, in this uh, appellation. 
and uh, and our region is uh, uh, all of the Lisbon wine regions on is coastal influence, so it's, it's uh, um, near the ocean, but this, the region itself is divided by a mountain, and it's called Monte Junto, and we are on the side where it's the more cooler part of the mountain. Uh, and, uh, and we have a lot of influence from the Atlantic, uh, a lot of uh, uh, coolness and freshness and breezes from, from the Atlantic, and this is one of the characteristics also of our wines, this freshness, the salinity that mm -hmm. we can get uh, really natural uh, uh, from, from, the, from, from, from our vineyards. The Obidush itself, the name is from a small, it's a village where you have a castle, a medieval castle. The village itself is uh, uh, even before the foundation of Portugal is, is from uh, the history started with the Phoenician uh, and the, during the Roman period, uh, Obidush had the forum, uh, so it was quite important also in the uh, Roman Empire in the first century after Christ. So it has always played a big role in the history of, of the Iberian Peninsula and, um, and, and, it's, and the viticulture in this area is, is common uh, for thousand, more than a thousand years. So um, the the develop the major developments uh, uh, in our more modern time, or the, when Portugal was uh, turned into Portugal over nine hundred years ago, it was with the Cistercian monks uh, that uh, uh, helped our king to run the the, the country and, and to develop its agriculture uh, in the in the region. And uh, they brought a lot of their knowledge from Burgundy. Viticulture was always part of the monks' <laughs> heritage. And, uh, and after that, um, there, there, so this was a big, during medieval times, this was the major development. And um, after the, um, the invasions of, um, of uh, Napoleon, uh, so the main, the stop they stopped they were stopped here by Wellington uh, here in our region and uh, and because of the lot of hills that you have here and this was always a good supplier of wine to Lisbon uh, and to where the British force they wanted to defend this these properties uh, with all <laughs> their army the big army and they and the, and it was interesting because. The, the the Polish troops were first defeated here, and afterwards there was a big battle in Waterloo, that, but uh, through Wellington, uh, and uh, and so this was in the beginning of the 19th century, and uh, and after that we had suffered as all of Portugal uh, in the, the 20th century from a dictatorship, a lot of revolutions in the, the early 20th century, and then. And then we had a big period in the most modern time of uh, dictatorship until the 70s. And uh, we were only drinking wines and, and uh, learning and didn't develop much our technology during this time. And once we entered the EU, there was a, a development 
and the, the Obidus region is created in these new sets of re regions in, in, uh, in Portugal in the 80s, late 80s. Uh, and we were the, one of the defenders of creating this, this uh, DO because the, the name Obidus was associated since the medieval time to good wines and, and to a special wine uh, in the the kingdom uh, of Portugal. So the the grapes that you have. I hope I wasn't too. too no, no. <laughs> well, it also it it just that that kind of historical lesson. Uh, it, it's funny because it shows you globally the you know Portuguese wine is still undervalued or underappreciated, and it's it's like just just that conversation shows you that is on the rise right in the last 10 years or so is it started to get that appreciation and get that recognition that it that it mm -hmm. deserves you know what i mean yeah it's it's um, it's been a uh, i've been working in, in foreign markets for more than 10 years already in a really tough market i lived in germany uh, and worked our our wines through our importer uh, in, in Germany, so I have the experience of selling Portuguese wines to someone that don't know anything about Portuguese wine. They have even a, a wine, they, it's the Portuguese rosé that is terrible. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a variety they use and, and they always say, oh, you have a Port Portuguese wine? And, and it's like, it was really, really tough to, to show um, how good our wines were and, and how special and, and different and the good value for money that we have is, is incredible. Uh, if you compare our wines, general Portuguese wines with other wines uh, in the same categories, we usually uh, are always less exciting. Unfortunately, but this has been growing also in the last 10, 10 uh, five years has, has been growing steadily and, and the, and a lot of, through a lot of recognition, especially from from markets like the Canadian market or the, the, the American market, and uh, and what uh, I've experienced in though in I was uh, in 2015 I came back to Portugal and then in 2016 I went back to Germany. I go quite often to Germany to keep uh, the, the business there and, and the promoting the wines and. Um, in the last years that I was there, I was already experienced that the Portuguese wines were already being recognized and also Portugal itself. And this happens from the tourism part. Of course, now with, with this pandemic and this crisis, uh, we will be um, lacking the, this, this part, the, the, a lot of tourists that were visiting Portugal, but during uh, the last years, we have an increase of tourism, which is incredible. And this um, uh, was the possibility for many people that didn't know Portugal and our culture and our wines, of course, because it's part of our culture. Like when you go to France, if you go to a place <laughs> or to Gerrit or, or to Italy, you always get the wine. You get the wine from the, the region, you get the, the pizza from the region, you have the cheese from the region. You, you always get this. And this is what happens in Portugal as well. And uh, people didn't know about that. 
or the the main knowledge was wasn't about that. People knew that we had golf courts and we had uh, the sun and we had some beach and kind of Lisbon it's funny, but uh, not the, the the gastronomic part didn't play a big role in the tourism. Nowadays, the wine, especially the wine tourism, is is one of the major tourisms being made in, in Portugal. The the last studies this is incredible. So this helps a lot promoting promoting wine. The the other question I had when in that um, when you're talking about the you know the wine and kind of the the increase in, in, since the seventies how how old are the vines how old are your vines that you're currently using right now? We have uh, an average uh, aging around thirty years uh, between thirty twenty five to thirty years. Um, the older vines that we have are around. Uh, 45, 50, uh, 50 years. Uh, the last uh, uh, ones that the older ones that we have replanted, they were they lasted to 80. Um, but this this area uh, suffers a lot uh, from from the winds from the ocean. So um, what what we do, we have a real, uh, really uh, respect for for the nature of the time. We have an IPM going on. So it's an integrated production management uh, where where we care about the sustainability of all, all the environment, also the people that are around. And uh, but this is always a, a matter of production efficiency of the of the vineyards and the products you are selling. So we have for for some wines we can keep have less efficiency in some some of the the vineyards, but but for our main business and uh, for for the quality that we need, we need to know our and this we need to know our land and our vineyards. That's that is the good thing is we have been working viticulture uh, since my great grandfather time, uh, where he had a plot uh, of one hectare where he studied all the vineyards that adapted that is uh, better to the region. And of course, with the climate changes, many things have changed, changed as well. But um, and for instance, with the heat uh, waves, the older vineyards that we have are the ones that suffer the more because mm. <laughs> they aren't used. And the and the younger, like the ten years, the, the fifteen years, those are the the ones that that uh, adapt and and and, uh, and are more resistant to to a, a heat wave, for instance. Mm. So it's all about getting a good balance in in the hundred over hundred hectares vineyards that we have. So uh, and uh, they are in full production uh, uh, since this year. We are going to plant a little an acre an hectare more uh, now, but uh, more or less we are now in full production the last uh, twenty years. We we are, we are always replant, but uh, now we have been, we've studied a little bit. And in like in five years, we have to replant uh, again a little bit. It's interesting you were saying about um, getting that getting that uh, cool climate from the Atlantic, because especially in the whites, you're talking about the salinity. You can definitely you definitely notice it in some of the wines, which adds the next uh, that uh, just one more layer of complexity to the wines. So 
definitely. We we fight, we we see that, and, and also it's interesting to see the, the the food pairing of these wines is incredible with with the muscle that we have around, and that muscle risotto or rice. It's uh, and some some coriander. It's incredible to to have this type of wines because it's the perfect match and. Uh, and, uh, and this is due to these conditions that these natural conditions that we have here and also through the grapes that we also um, that we that we harvest uh, is uh, the Arinto is quite known in the white the, the Arinto grape but the v Vital is not Vidal it's Vital from Vitality is a grape it's a, an indigenous grape here that um, is, a, is a, a grape variety that, that I, I normally say it's a, a grape that uh, gives wines that are not much expressive in the young side, uh, but give a lot of vitality to the wines and uh, show a little bit more with the age, like a, a Riesling profile. Nice acidity, nice crisp acidity, and the honey and petrol notes can, be, can develop throughout the years. And this is what we are using to for our special blending of, of the whites uh, to give this uh, typical notes of, of the DOC of it. I really appreciate this, my friend. I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So this was this was amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And uh, I hope to see you soon, either here or there. I think we're going to leave it there for now. Thanks for listening. For more wine conversation and podcast updates, you can follow us on Instagram at Ian's Wine Truths. Check out our website for great photos of our guests, friendsofthevine.podbean.com. Take care. Have a glass for me.